This is Coast to Coast with Robert Ambrogi and J. Craig Williams, America's top web bloggers in the legal profession. And yes, they are attorneys, both of them, one from California, one from Massachusetts. You can only guess what will happen next. Coast to Coast is sponsored by Law.com, right here on the Legal Talk Network. Hello, everybody, and thanks for listening to Coast to Coast on the Legal Talk Network. I'm Craig Williams in Southern California. And this is Bob Ambrogi in Massachusetts. I write the blog called Law Sites, another blog called Media Law, and now also contribute to Legal Blog Watch on LegalLaw.com, as if I don't have enough to do. Every business, including law firms, needs a strong website to attract clients and keep businesses growing. This is our topic today, lawyer websites, what's good and not so good out there. That's right. We've all seen uh, websites that are well-defined, well-designed, user-friendly, have useful information, and we've also seen some law firm websites that are uh, frustrating, poorly designed, and and lack uh, information in in a way that can make us cringe. Well, we're going to solve that problem today, Bob. Our guests are the experts. Our first guest is Dennis Kennedy. Dennis is a well-known computer lawyer and legal technology consultant. He's also an expert on the applications of technology in the workplace. His highly regarded website at DennisKennedy.com collects many of his articles and is the home of his blog. Dennis is on the boards of both Law Practice Today and the ABA Tech Show. Welcome, Dennis. Thank you, um, Bob and Craig. It's a pleasure to be here. And next we have Tim Stanley. Uh, Tim is founder and CEO of Justia.com, uh, a site, uh, a company that helps uh, create and design websites for lawyers and works in search engine optimization for lawyers. Tim is a uh, former CEO and co-founder of FineLaw.com and uh, now runs Justia. The Justia team is composed of computer scientists, lawyers, librarians, and marketing professionals with the combined total of more than 100 years of legal online and engineering development experience. Tim is also a member of the State Bar of California, sits on the Executive Committee of the Law, Practice, and Technology section of the California State Bar. Welcome to the show, Tim. Thank you very much. I look forward to it. And also with us is Pete Boyd, president of Paper Street. Pete is a Florida attorney who's practiced in the area of intellectual property law. He's worked on over 225 web and print projects since 1996. He founded Paper Street during law school when he realized that many law firms did not have a website or a very poorly designed site. Welcome to the show, Pete. How's it going? Dennis, let's start with you. And I can say from personal experience that I know you've been you've been doing this a long time. You were really one of the pioneers uh, among lawyers in, in uh, putting up some really content-rich websites back when you started doing uh, estate planning links way back when. And uh, I've always been uh, a fan of some of the work that you've done on the web. Uh, where where have where are we now? What how is it? How important is it to to a law firm to have uh, a, a website these days? Can can they go without one? Well, I th- I think it, the the world has changed a lot in in the last year, believe it or not, and that how we always always used to feel ten years ago that the internet was going to change everything. I think that it's it's kind of snuck up on us, and it, it is really starting to change things. And and one of the most interesting things that that I've heard is is the dramatic change in the the uh, the number of people who now use the internet to find local uh, you know products and services as opposed to using the yellow pages even in the past year there's been a you know a substantial drop in that and so I, so i think that um 
having what I call a web presence has become really important, whether that's a website or it's a blog um, or any other approach. It, it doesn't matter so much as, as to have a web presence and, and to take some control of that because a lot of people are just you know, typing your name or trying to find something about you in Google, and, that, and what they see is really your web presence. And so you would, what you would like to see is something you have a little control of, and that's typically going to be a website. So in a way, a website has become a lot more important in the last year than, than maybe it's, it's ever been. Tim, I can't imagine you'd disagree with that, but uh, what's your take on that? Sure. I mean, I think uh, you know, websites uh, have definitely become necessities for law firms. Um, you know, they're being looked at uh, for people, you know, trying to find new clients, but also, uh, you know, professionally, just working with other attorneys. People like to look at the website, make sure it looks professional, and sort of decide who they're going to refer cases or who they're going to work with as well. Well, Pete, you've uh, done an awful lot of websites. What do you think makes a good website for a law firm? Um, it varies. It depends on the firm's goals. Um, you know, if, uh, if you're a solo practitioner, I think it would be foolish not just at least have some type of web presence. Um, for medium-sized firms to larger firms, you know, you want to put your best foot forward. You know, anytime, you know, when I used to get a case, the first thing I used to go to and look for was, you know, the firm's website to see who we were dealing with. And, you know, if you're a personal injury firm that has a small staff, you want to seem bigger than you are against, you know, the insurance companies. If you're an uh, insurance firm and you're dealing with, you know, corporate clients, you want to seem, you know, as professional as you get. So, in general speaking, you need to, it really depends on the goals of the site. Do you have any examples of good websites that you've seen? Um, it, you know, I don't want to plug our own products, of course, on the show. Um, you know, I think it really depends on beauty is always in the eye of the beholder. Um, the LMA publishes a list of its top, you know, uh, winners of your honor awards. Um, I believe Reed Smith won this year. They've done a good job in designing the site. Um, and in terms of other sites, we've done one called Watt Teeter. They're a construction law firm where we redid, you know, their whole branding ca- campaign. Um, and that's WTHF.com. But it really just depends on, you know, the goal of the site. I hate to go back to that, but, you know, if you're, if you're posting lots of text and that's your goal, you know, the, it's going to be mainly a text-based font look to the website. If you're going for more of an advertising pitch site, you can use more graphics. Well, I, I wonder, I came across in preparing for the show an article I happened to write many, many years ago for Law Office Computing in which I kind of uh, sang the mantra that, that content is king in a, in a website. And, you know, you talk about changes in the last year. Something that's changed dramatically is, is the kinds of content that uh, that's going up on websites between blogs and, and podcasts and webcasts. Uh, De- Dennis, I'm wondering if you have a, in a, a thought on on the role of, of content uh, in a law firm website and what kind of content uh, is, is uh, best for a law firm to be looking at these days? You know, for, I mean, for the 10 years plus that I've had a website, my focus has been on content. My, my observation is that people use the Internet to, to find answers to specific questions or solutions or looking for solutions to specific problems. And so a lot of times they're looking for um, content that's helpful in, in that vein. And so I always felt, I mean, you mentioned my estate planning links site that I started with, uh, which people, you know, it was just a list of links to other sites on estate planning, that I always felt that you helped people either by providing them with an answer or, or 
uh, pointing them to a place that would give them an answer. And then either way, you benefited. And so content in either category uh, was good. I think the learning over the years have been, and I'd be interested in, in what, what the others of you say, is that this very practical, useful information, things like checklists, short articles, very practical things are what people are looking for because that's what they're, they're out to find. If I can use an example, uh, Dan Evans, who I know, Bob, Bob you know well, um, has a Pennsylvania uh, estate planning site. And many years ago, he just put up the standard checklist that he handed out to his clients when they, they opened a new probate estate. And he put that on the website, and he found right away that it was the most heavily trafficked page on his site. And so he changed, he started to put up more of that checklist type of information. So, you know, I, I will go back to the earlier comment about your goal of the site, but I think content is important, and then figuring out what your target audience is and what they're looking for. But that looking for answers to questions, solutions to problems is, is a primary purpose people use the web these days. Tim, let's let's look at it from the other side. What's the worst things that you can do? I mean, lawyers put up their pictures, uh, biographies that are fairly static. Are those uh, on the no-no list or things that you think need to be included? Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think those things are, are a problem. Uh, I think probably the, the worst thing that I sort of see uh, people do is uh, sort of run a large flash piece. Uh, so, so they're running flash as their homepage, and so they don't actually get any of their content indexed. I mean, it's very similar to what uh, you know, Dennis just said. People are looking for legal answers. They aren't always necessarily looking for a lawyer or don't realize they need a lawyer. But they're searching a particular legal issue. And what you want to have is some text content that's there that can actually get found by the search engines that will then show up, whether it's a checklist or an FAQ or, or a short article. If you do run sort of a large flash pieces and don't allow a way for people to actually navigate uh, into the site, that isn't something that I've seen you know, stop a lot of sites from doing well. Uh, so that would be sort of the the main one that I've sort of seen uh, in terms of sort of stopping uh, people from actually being able to get clients. Uh, the other probably small items are not having ways to contact you. You know, making sure that you have your phone number, your address, and a contact form uh, at least somewhere on the site, if not on every page. There's a lot of law firms that will actually put up websites, but you, you know, other than like an email address, there's no real way to contact them. So that would be the, you know, the, the, the second item that I would look at. Uh, but, Tim, what you're talking about there is, is, in part, is optimizing your website for search engines so that if somebody goes to a search engine and enters in some keywords, they're likely to find your site. Uh, what other mistakes do firms make in doing that besides putting Flash on their pages? Is, there, is, it, is search engine optimization an art or a science? I mean, it's relatively you know, straightforward. Uh, it's mainly just having text on your page and making sure that you have the correct title tag and you know, maybe a couple other tags on your page. Uh, it's not you know, incredibly difficult, um, but you do need to make sure that your, your, uh, your web pages get indexed. And one of the reasons I think you actually see uh, blogs doing quite well in search engines is because blog software actually forces people to write unique titles, which is the title of your post, uh, and actually, you know, and creates uh, text pages that are also indexable with uh, different uh, links and sort of site links or site map links. Uh, so it's not, you know, I, mean, I guess from, from the Flash standpoint, it's mainly just trying to get the Flash out of the way or get, the, get a way to work around the Flash or treat it more as a, 
as an object, uh, you know, similar like Paper Street's uh, homepage, but they're using Flash, but they're using it in a way that doesn't interfere with the search engine optimization. If you can do that and make sure your site gets indexed, that's really the key thing I, I was focusing on there. Dennis, what about search engine optimization? I mean, I think the number one question I get from lawyers is, should I be using the services that send me the emails telling me that my website's not optimized enough? Well, I mean, that's just really hard to gauge. I mean, as somebody who's had a long history of this and kind of seen how all the search engines have grown up and how their algorithms and rankings have changed, and, uh, you know, I... It's a very tricky area, and I think people, in a lot of cases, are over-concerned about search engine ranking. So, you know, I think you're always looking at your target audience and saying, how do you, what's the best way to get in front of them? And I've seen people worry a lot about search engine optimization or talk to me about search engine optimization and say how they can improve mine. And I say, well, look, I'm number one on most of the things that I, you know, on Google, on most of the things I really care about being number one on. Um because of the history, the history of my site, the content, and the, the practices that I use. So I think people over-focus on that. I mean, I, I know a lot of people are starting out new websites or new blogs where they're, they're spending money, they're focused on search engine optimization, and they're not doing things like putting their URL on their stationery or in their business card or, or doing a mailing to their current clients, all of which are going to get them more of the traffic they really want than than some theoretically good uh, search engine ranking. And, and then there's also the question that I know a lot of people have, have tracked um, of exactly what type of you know, potential clients or what business you might actually get that comes to you directly from, from a search engine. And, and that raises the question, type of practice you have, whether yellow pages work for the type of practice that you have. A lot of those issues are out there, so it's definitely not one-size-fits-all. Should law firms be paying attention to Google ranking? Is it some? Is it a number that they should pin their hopes on? Yes. Um, I mean, I think it's the most useful uh, indicator you have out there of, of the popularity of your site and and how it's going to perform. You know, within in the Google universe, and the Google universe is hugely important. Pete, were you starting to say something on that? You want to add? Um, I was just saying it was. Uh, this is Peter. I was saying it's you know it's it's paying attention to the search rankings is very important. Um, it seems to be most mid-sized and smaller firms that rely on a lot of uh, client base building from the websites to pay more attention to search rankings, um, just because the larger firms have their existing networks of contacts and case referrals and everything like that. Um, but for solo practitioners, it could it can make or break a practice if you're you know ranked in the top ten for your your practice area. And Tim's right; it's not rocket science. Science about this that you know if you if you have great content, you do your title tag right, and you get a lot of links from other sites, you're going to rank high. But it should be viewed as almost a a long term strategy. These days, it's not like you know two or three years ago is we we could we could launch a site and within two or three weeks have someone ranked in the top you know search results for whatever they wanted. These days, it's definitely a more slow process. So you know, I always advise new clients that it's going to be you know it's a long haul, but it's it's extra rankings that you can pick up and extra business, so it's you know foolish not to do. Yeah, and that's the one piece of advice I would give people on search engine optimization is that this is not a set-it-and-forget-it thing. I mean, it really is a long-haul process, and it's and you want to keep paying attention to the things you're doing and the search engine algorithms that they use change over time. Uh, you know, there are a lot of different factors there, and if you say, okay, I've, done, I've launched my website, I've done the SEO, now I can forget it 
forget about it. You know, I'm in the search engines at a certain level. Now I can forget about it. That's not the case because you will drop down. You will drop out in a certain sense. Um, it's something that really requires care and attention. And that's, I think, the one big misconception people have about, uh, about search engine optimization. But, is, but isn't the fact that just about anybody, uh, any search on Google for an area of practice is going to bring up uh, a couple of blogs right at the top of the list? And if so, does that suggest that uh, every law firm needs to have a blog? Um, I mean, you know, my take is, is if, you, if you're really focused on search engine optimization, you should really consider getting a blog. Uh, and there's probably a few reasons for that. Um, and I think, uh, you know, Kevin O'Keefe says uh, blogs mean better listings on Google, and he's, you know, somewhat right there. Uh, one thing is that if you do a blog, it's relatively easy to get your blog linked up. Uh, you know, you want to get a website linked up in different directories. That's not easy to do. Uh, but for blog directories, there are a lot of people out there <clears throat> really trying to create uh, sort of editorially selected, uh, you know, blog, you know, uh, sets of blogs out there for different practice areas. So it's a really nice way to uh, actually increase increase your links. Also, blogs uh, they link, you know, they link back and forth with each other. So it's it's something where you're able to get cross links from other blogs as well, and you're producing good content. It might, you know, if if you write even you know two or three posts a week. At the end of the year, you have 150 pages of content, and that's something from a website perspective. You know, doesn't happen as I'm gonna say doesn't happen right out the gate in most cases. Uh, so I think uh, blogs are an excellent idea, and to the extent possible, you know, you'd like to integrate those within your site as well, so you can actually get value with your site and your blog. And there's some cross-linking there as well. Do you recommend linking a blog directly into a law firm's website or using a third-party service like Blogger or Google or uh, WordPress or TypePad? It's, I mean, it's totally up to the individual. Uh, you can certainly bring in <clears throat> sort of the headline post into the website as static text that gets indexed by Google that sort of cross-links over, uh, you know, back to the blog. Uh, but whether you use, you know, Google or TypePad or, you know, WordPress or removal type or other services like Lexblog or some of the stuff that uh, Pete and I offer, um, that, that's really more of a pricing decision and sort of how much training that you need to actually get off the ground. If you need a lot of help, you don't understand blogging, then certainly you'd probably want to get uh, a service. But you know, if you have a decent understanding of blogging, uh, certainly uh, uh, both Blogger or uh, uh, TypePad would work fine for you. Well, here's the $100,000 question. What is the current search engine algorithm that people need to be paying attention to? The main one is Google because they have their market share, but it'd be, you know, again, I hate to say the word foolish, but it'd be foolish not to pay attention to Yahoo or MSN because um, right, they do I mean, make up a part of the market as well. What are the components? The components of the, yeah, oh, the um, I mean, off the top of my head, the, the content's always the most, you know, important part of the search algorithm. Um, inbound links from other websites and anchoring those links with text so that if, for instance, on our clients' websites, we always put Paper Street Web Design, and that's, you know, the inbound link coming in says Web Design. And sometimes we put Paper Street Legal Web Design, so the, you know, the link coming into us is Legal Web Design, because that's what we do. And I know Tim and uh, Kevin do the same thing on their sites, and it's a common practice, and lawyers can do the same thing in their directories. So inbound links, content, meta title tags. The meta tags aren't really used by the search engines anymore, even though every client that comes in, you know, talks about, can you do the meta tags for us? And technically, the title tag isn't a meta tag, but that's either here nor there. So the meta tags are used, you know, as a very small fraction of the algorithm these days because of abuse in the past by web designers. Um, and there's, you know, there's a, there's a 
uh, factor. There's probably a 60 factor algorithm list that Google has that, or more that they have. And you can see things bubble up from time to time and change. I mean, I, I have a certain sense these days that um, where the keyword is in the title, say you're doing a blog post or on your page, where that keyword is in the title um, is pretty important these days. That, that that whole set of links, how you're linked, you know, whether you're linked sort of in context versus, you know, just a a, a link that just you know sends you to uh, to another website, just sort of a bare link. But so so if you're in the context of something that's being written is more important. Sort of the popularity of the other, of the sites that are linking to you. There's there are a whole lot of a whole lot of factors, and and you can you can generally figure. Figure some of them out. I also think I'd be curious what what uh, Tim and Pete think, but I also have, have a suspicion that the longevity of your site has uh, started to become more important yes. in in the Google rankings. Maybe in the last three to six months. Actually, yeah, it's 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 been for a while now. Even the the amount of time you register domain name can factor into it. So if you're buying a new site, you might want to register multiple years for your domain name because a lot of uh, Spammers of websites, um, search engine spammers, will register their domain name just for one year. Um, so if you register domain name for multiple years, how long your domain name has been active, how long your site's been active. Google indexes practically every piece of information, even when they first found your website and when the text changes on your website. So, All right, we have to take a short break, and we'll follow up on with more questions for our guests after the break. We invite you to visit Law.com for timely legal news and in-depth resources. From daily headlines to practice-specific updates, Law.com provides up-to-date information to those working in the legal profession. As part of its coverage, Law.com is proud that J. Craig Williams' blog, May It Please the Court, and Robert Ambrogi's blog, Law Sites, are part of its blog network. Don't wait any longer. Visit Law.com today and get free subscriptions of our Newswire newsletter with the top legal stories of the day. Or sign up for a free trial subscription to one of our Practice Center sections. If you found us in the podcast library of iTunes, thanks for listening. Check out some of our other shows at LegalTalkNetwork.com and become a member. It's free. Coast to Coast is produced by the Legal Talk Network and a staff of broadcast professionals. If you have an idea for a topic or a show, we want to hear from you. Go to LegalTalkNetwork.com and send us an email. A video settlement documentary can be the most powerful and persuasive way to bring about a speedy settlement in your client's case. The Boston Media Group has a staff of television professionals with 20 years' experience writing and producing compelling stories just like the ones you've seen on 60 Minutes or Dateline. We put a human face on the lawsuit with compelling interviews, dramatizations, and visual presentations of the fact. Think of it as a video opening argument that will compel the attorneys on the other side to settle. Call us for a consult at 800-317-5221. That's 800-317-5221. Or check out our website at bostonmediagroup.com. Welcome back to Coast to Coast. This is Bob Ambrogi. And I'm Craig Williams. We have Dennis Kennedy, well-known lawyer and consultant Tim Stanley, CEO of Justia.com, and Pete Boyd, president of Paper Street, telling us how to be one of the best on the World Wide Web today. Uh, 
I'm wondering, uh, Tim, if I could ask you, it's, it's, websites seem to fall into kind of a standard template of practice area descriptions and lawyer bios and uh, some other information about the firm, but is, is there anything that law firms tend to be missing in creating their websites? Um, you know, one of the things I think, if you, if you really, and again, this sort of ties with search and compensation, if you really want to do well, is put some uh, additional sort of practice information, whether it's uh, pleadings or filings, uh, different items like that, because it will get used uh, uh, sort of as a resource center and sort of takes you out from just being sort of a, a plain website to something that's a little bit more uh, informative and a little bit more useful, uh, both to practitioners as well as uh, to individuals. So I, I think that's one of the things I've found that has really sort of improved certain positioning of, uh, of some of the uh, law firm websites I've seen. Well, here's, here's one for Dennis. What uh, technology do you see coming up? And what technology or trends do you think law firms should be avoiding? You're speaking, of course, of podcasting, right? Um, no, I mean, I, th- <laughs> I think that what's really changed in the past year, other than I said, the sort of movement from yellow pages to the internet for local local uh, search products and services, is the advent of uh, an acceptance of broadband in a lot of different ways, coupled with sort of you know, more powerful computers, larger storage. And so, you know, podcasting or audio, video, I don't think two years ago even would have really, you know, happened in the way they are now because cause that you didn't have as much acceptance of, of broadband. So I think it's really opened the doors to do things um, using the Internet for Lawyers on audio um, and video. And then I think the the huge technology that I'm most re- interested in is the one that's most associated with blogs, which is RSS feeds, the really simple syndication, as the acronym stands for, which is a way to, to automatically send out the new content that you add to your blog or your website to people who choose to subscribe to it. And then uh, uh, it, it just opens a, a new, a completely different, clean information channel. Uh, to people who want to get your information, and I think that's uh, some of the most exciting uh, technology going. And then to kind of throw a softball over to, to Tim and Pete, I also think that you know this the, as we get further into this world of uh, cascading style sheets, CSS, and XHTML, this sort of different approach to web design, I think that's that's a really exciting area that uh, a lot of law firms should be looking into with their current uh, websites. Peter, Tim, either you want to catch that? Um, well, it certainly makes it easy to change the design of the site because it really keeps the content separate from the look and feel. And so there's a real value there whenever you want to make changes. Wait, Pete, what's the difference between a, a large firm's website and a small firm's website, if anything? I mean, what, is there a difference if you're a solo or if you're a thousand lawyer firm other than the number of bios and practice areas you have listed? Yeah, well, actually, some solos will have just as many practice areas listed. Um, That's true. The uh, the size of the site obviously would be larger for a large law firm, but if if the if both sites are built inside either a content system or blogging software, which is basically a content system as well, um, or a subset of one, then there is real no difference. I mean, uh, a solo practitioner or a large law firm, if have, they have a good content system, um, can post content anytime. They can post to their blog at any time. They can have RSS feeds incorporated into their site or other websites. It, it's it's really a great equalizer, um, and that's kind of the way the web is. Is that small firms can compete with large firms, and sometimes even more effectively because you know they they pay attention to their marketing budgets and and know what they want to do on the web. 
So it would be more the message than, than the technology that might be different. The message will be different. You know, most large law firms have a very corporate-style site. Um, we've yet to get, you know, one sign off on, like, a fun, you know, friendly site kind of design, whereas, you know, some sites we, you know, can build a little more friendly and have, you know, photos of smiling people and stuff like that, whereas most law firms want very serious images, um, you know, if they have 50, 100, 200 attorneys. Well, Tim, here's your opportunity for some final thoughts and to wrap up uh, the kind of guiding light principle that you think lawyers need to be paying attention to for law firms. What, what are your thoughts? Um, I mean, I, my, my, my overall take is just sort of try to keep things simple initially and sort of build from there. But it, it shouldn't be, uh, you know, when building a, a website or online marketing solutions, uh, don't, don't try to do necessarily everything at once. Sort of start out simple, fix things up, and sort of, build step by step. And I think that's probably the, the best approach. Dennis? Yeah, I mean, get it out there, let it evolve. I mean, that's that's always been my approach. People say, guy, you have so much content. How could you do that? Well, I mean, I, I started with with something that fit on less than one page. You do it for 10 or 11 years, or you do it for a year or six months, whatever. All of a sudden, you have a lot of content as long as you commit to it, and then you let it grow in the directions that your audience takes you and where your interests go. I mean, that's you know, blogging was just a natural extension for me uh, of my website. Uh, you know, so so I, I think that I think people kind of overdo it. They think that they have this concern that you're going to put this website up and there's going to be a million people who look at it on the first day and they're making judgments about you. The fact is that you know you got a period of time where you, you basically not that many people are looking at your site and you can kind of you know work out the rough edges of of what you're doing. But it's just better to get stuff out there and let it evolve. And Pete Boyd, what are your final thoughts? Uh, my final thoughts is that, you know, the website is going to continue to grow. It is going to be your most public image, most likely for your firm. So, you know, do pay attention to the overall design and quality of that. Um, and then, you know, eventually everything will converge and blogs will be websites and websites will be blogs and we'll have podcasts, RSS feeds, all, you know, all in one part of it. And even the small firms will have intranets and extranets to give client information. Well, thank you very much to our guests today. We would like to uh, thank again Dennis Kennedy, who you can find uh, all about at DennisKennedy.com and find his blog there as well. Uh, Tim Stanley, you can find at Justia.com. That's J-U-S-T-I-A.com. And Pete Boyd at PaperStreet.com. Thanks again to all of you for talking to us today. Yeah, we really appreciate it, guys. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having us on. Craig, uh, talk to you next week, I guess. Yep, we'll be back next week. Thanks very much for listening to Coast to Coast on the Legal Talk Network. Thanks for listening to Coast to Coast with Robert Ambrogi and J. Craig Williams. Coast to Coast has been sponsored by Law.com. We hope you'll listen again and check out our other shows on the Legal Talk Network. The Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast, your resource for the tips and tactical advice you need to grow your business. Plus, keep up with the news and commentary you crave to stay one step ahead. It's hosted by me, Guy Sakalakis. And me, Conrad Som. Every other week, we break down the issues holding back your marketing strategy and talk about the changes you need to be prepared for. Check out the Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube.